ready. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just come today. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for all you've given us. And we thank you for the Father heart of God for every one of us. We thank you for every father here, Lord. And, Lord, I ask that every one of us as fathers would know you better in a deeper way. And we understand not just what you're doing, but what you feel and what you think and what you are. And, Lord, I just thank you for your word, that it's a lamp and a light to lead us into what you have for us. And, Lord, I just ask you to bless every family today. Because, Father, you're the God of all fathers. You're the Father of all fathers. And we thank you, Lord, for your fatherhood in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk a little bit. I talked on peace a couple of weeks ago. I want to talk about rest. How many of you know rest is a good thing? One of the real fruits of walking in the new creation in the exchange life is peace and rest. And it's a good thing. But I want us to look at some things about rest today. Uh, let's start with Joshua one thirteen. <clears throat> Joshua's reminding the children of Israel about what Moses said. In verse 13 he says, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and he hath given you the land. What was the first thing he gave them? Rest. What is rest? It's freedom from your enemies. Rest is freedom from your enemies. And I just want to tell you that's only found in the new man. There is no rest to the old man. You can mark it down, write it down. There is no rest to the old man. Rest is only for the new man. The first thing he gave them was rest, and then he gave them the land. See, a lot of people are after land. But I've met a lot of people that have a lot of land that have no rest. If you don't have rest, you can't enjoy the land. You need to understand what rest is all about. Rest, one of the things, it is recreate. That's what that word recreate is rest. What is that? Where did we get recreation? Recreate. That's where that word comes from. It means to repose. It means peace of mind, tranquility, arising from reconciliation or exchange with God and a sense of divine favor. A sense of what? Divine favor. It's an exchange. This morning while we were studying, uh, I get sidetracked. They just look at me when I'm chasing bunny rabbits, and I lose my place sometimes. But in, in Matthew chapter 20, I just happened to look down at this verse. In Matthew chapter 20, I don't know what it has to do with this, but let's look at it. Matthew 20, 28. Well, let's look in 27. We're going to cover that a little later on, not today. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, that little word for is an interesting word. Do you know what that word for means? In exchange for. In exchange It's the word anti, instead of. He gave his life instead of ours. He exchanged his life. That little word for is a powerful little word. Exchange in our stead. That's what he did. He did not come to be ministered to, but he came to give his life in exchange for us. And for many. To exchange his life for us. That's reconciliation. 
That's the word, reconciliation. And we have the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Exchange. God was in Christ, reconciling, exchanging the world for himself. He that knew no sin was made sin, so that we might be exchanged the very what? Righteousness of God. So with that righteousness, we find something. And that's what we're going to talk about. The goal of the promised land was rest from your enemies. You know, in in Luke chapter 1, when John the Baptist's dad was prophesying, uh, he was talking about what was going to happen when Jesus came and after he was allowed to speak because of his unbelief. He says in verse 69, Luke 169, has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies. How many of you know in the new creation, the wicked one cannot touch you? According to 1 John 4.18. The wicked one what? Cannot touch you. For God has put his seal on you and he cannot touch you. The only way he can touch you is to bid in no man. Okay? And from the hand of all that hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his covenant. The holy covenant oath which he swore to Abraham. That he would grant to us that we being delivered out of the hands of our enemies. Might serve what? Our God without what? fear in holiness in righteousness before him all the days of our life all the day when we get to heaven just a few more weary days when all the days of our life because there is no fear in love because perfect love casteth out all fear for he that feareth is not made perfect love made perfect in love and as he is so are we now in this present world that's a good verse I heard somebody this morning say they're hearing different ones preach that all over the place on TV. See, it's getting in. The Holy Ghost is telling us, hey, he's trying to raise us up. Why? He's delivered us from all our enemies. He's delivered us from all that hate us. And what? So we can serve him without what? Fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of anything else. Because the righteous are as bold as a what? As a lion. And so that's what he wants for us. The goal of the promised land was first rest and then the land. Rest to enjoy the land. Now, isn't it nice? Now, I don't know when you go on vacation, but isn't it nice when you're in a vacation and in that rest that you can enjoy the land like you was talking about? Now, if you used to go on vacation and you wasn't in rest, you was in turmoil, and you was upset and all that, could you enjoy that, the land you was in? No. See, you're worrying all the time. See, the enemy wants to make sure everyone is upset and uptight about everything they're doing. But God's purpose for us. I want to read you something here. You know, Watchman Nee had a few things together. Amen? He's talking about in the beginning. says, God, in creation, God worked from the first day to the sixth day. And he rested on the seventh day. We may truthfully say that for those six days he was very busy. Then the task he had set out himself had been completed. He ceased to work. The seventh day became the Sabbath the Sabbath of God. It was God's rest. But what of Adam? Where did Adam stand in relationship to the rest of God? Adam, we are told, was created on the sixth day. Clearly then, he had no part in those first six days, for he came into being only at the end in the Sabbath day. God's rest day was, in fact, Adam's first day. 
where God worked for six days and enjoyed the rest, Adam began his life with the Sabbath rest. For God works before he rests, while men must first enter into God's rest, and then alone can he work. Moreover, it was because God's work of creation was truly complete that Adam's life could begin with rest. And here is the gospel. I'm telling you, saints, this is the gospel. Most Christians are trying to work till they get to the place where they can rest. But see, God's plan is, I know Watchman Nee said in this first of this book, Christianity doesn't start with a do, it starts with a done. It's already done. You don't walk to get, you start from the finished work of Christ, and you start right there. That is the gospel, that God has gone one stage further and has completed all the work of redemption, that we didn't do nothing whatever to merit it, but can enter by faith directly into the values of his finished work. Of course, we know that between these two historic facts, between God's rest in creation and God's rest in redemption, there lies the whole tragic story of Adam's sin and judgment of man's unceasing, unprofitable labor and of the coming of the Son of Man to toil and to give himself until that lost position was recovered. My Father worketh unto now, Jesus said, and I work. He explained as he pursued, pursued his way, only with the atoning price could he finally cry, it's finished. But because of that triumph cry, the analog which we have draws one to this conclusion. Christianity indeed means that God has done everything in Christ and that we simply step by faith into enjoying that fact. Our key word is, of course, in context to command to sit and that you're seated. See, as Christ paid that price and he went through everything he went through and when all the scriptures were fulfilled, it said that he bowed his head he reposed his head, reclined his head, and he gave up the ghost. And he said, it's finished. It's finished, and he gave up the ghost. Now I want you to see something. Whenever he was crucified on that cross, I was crucified. When he was buried in that tomb for three days, I was buried there with him. But you know, on that third day, when Christ rose from the grave, guess what? I ascended with him. That was my first day. And not only did I not stop there, I ascended right on to the very presence of God. And when Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, we have been made to sit with him in heavenly places. So his first day was our first day. So the first thing he created for us was what? Rest. See, we are seated with him together in heavenly places. I believe our spirit's seated with him right there. Now, our souls and bodies have still got some things to do down here, doesn't it? But they also have been exchanged so we can enjoy the benefits of what he's paid for. You know, we need to enjoy what we're doing. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I've heard stories. How many of you know that the, the, the day that's missed more at work than any other day is Monday morning? More people miss work on Monday because they sit around all day Sunday, whatever they're doing, dreading going to work Monday. And by the time Monday gets around, most, a lot of people are just too sick to go to work. Why? They don't enjoy what they're doing. You ready? Now, first thing we're to do, see, a lot of people's got it just back in the world. They get up Monday morning and they go to work. And they work all week long. And then when Saturday and Sunday gets around, then they can rest. But then Monday's coming along and they're dreading going to work. 
Well, see, as Christians, our first day is a day of rest. Our first day is a day of rest. And then from that day of rest, we work the rest of the week and we stay in our Sabbath rest. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, I worked for 16 years butcher and never missed a day of work. It wasn't that I wasn't sick, but you know what the difference is? I loved what I did. I enjoyed what I was doing. See, God can give you the joy. See, there's a scripture. Let, let me read it to you. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes, Matthew, Mark, Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. And it starts, let's look in verse 12. It says, I know that there is nothing good in them, but for a man to rejoice and do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. It's a gift of God. What is it? It's a gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can put to it, nor anything taken from it. But God give it that men should fear before him. Now see, you can't enjoy what you do unless God gives you the ability to enjoy it. Another thing he says, that God gives you abundance and riches to men. But to some men, he doesn't give the ability to enjoy it. And it's laboring for the wind. But God gives you riches and abundance so you can enjoy it, and then you can enjoy it. It's a gift of God. See, God wants to give us the gift of what we do so we can work from that position of rest and enjoy what we do. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? You know, what is the ultimate goal? What's God's purpose for us? Look with me in Isaiah chapter 65. I'm just laying some groundwork today because I'm not going to have time to do all this, but it's a good starting place. Isaiah chapter 65. Now this is, you see up here at the top, it says a new heaven and a new earth. This is what God's got in mind for us one of these days. Are you for this? For behold, verse 17, I create a what? A new heaven and a new earth. Hey, I want you to understand something. The former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. This earth that we know now, as beautiful as it is, Hawaii, Colorado, all of that, this heaven and this earth is going to be totally done away with one of these days. Now, I know for a thousand years we're going to come back and enjoy it. But at the end of that thousand years, it's all going to just fold up and vanish away. I, and some of you is upset because you thought you're going to have to stay here the rest of your eternity. But I'm sorry. But it says, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. How many of you think it might be a little better than the former? How many of you think the new one might be a little better? Thy latter house shall be greater than the former. In this place I give peace, saith the Lord. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord. I do what I want to and what he wants to do. And he says, the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. We won't even think about this place anymore. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I have created. For behold, I create Jerusalem rejoicing in her people of what? A joy. And I rejoice in Jerusalem, joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more infants of days or old men that have not filled their days. For a child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit thereof. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the works of their hands. My elect shall long enjoy the works 
of their hands. Is that good? They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble, for they, they are the seeds of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Hey, like that. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullocks, and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. See, God's got a wonderful plan for us. And it's a place of rest, and it's a place of peace, and it's a place where you're long going to enjoy the works of your hand. Why? God is a creator, and we're created in his image, right? There's something in man that likes to create. Likes to see the fruit of his hands accomplish something. See? And that's our DNA. So it's going to be a glorious time. And, you know, eye has not seen, ear heard, neither has even entered into your heart what he's prepared for us. We can't even go there. But I tell you one thing, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Because that's what he's created. For us to enjoy what we do. Too many Christians have the Martha mentality. They're just so bored with what they do all the time. They feel like they're the only one doing it and nobody else is helping them and they're doing it all by themselves. And what did Jesus say to Martha? You're anxious and troubled about many things. Now, it's obvious. I mean, I know I know the giftings. I know the gift of helps. I know all that. And I know her gifting. She's trying to take care of everybody in there and Martha wasn't, and Mary wasn't helping her. But Jesus went right to the heart of the issue and said, listen, you know, what, what Mary has done is where the blessing's at. He said, you, you need to do that, but, but let's, let's get our priorities right. Let's learn to rest before we learn to work. See, if you don't learn to rest before you work, you're going to get in trouble, right? And he said what? Oh, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find what? Rest for what? Your souls. Find rest for your what? For my burden is easy, my yoke is easy, and my burden is what? Light. See, that's that new creation. It was never intended to be a hard work. How many of you know it, it is a lot of work, even in the new man? You work from a place of being in the new man. But it's still not work. It's, it's, it's coming from a place of refreshing. I enjoy it, and I know some of you do. We see in Hebrews chapter 4, talking about taking them into the promised land. And why did they not get to go into the promised land for 40 years? Because of their what? Unbelief. They didn't get to go in because of their unbelief. In Hebrews chapter 4, we see here, says in verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise of being left of entering his rest. The promise. What is the promise? Rest. Freedom from your enemies. Right? Reconciliation. Exchange. That's the goal of all this stuff, is to find rest for your souls. See? And he says, Lest anyone fear, lest the promise that we should enter into his rest, any should seem to come short. I've been there for a lot of years. Seem to come short. But he says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For which we, we which have what? Believed. Past tense. We've believed what? The report. Isaiah 53. Spirit, soul, and body. We which have believed the whole report do enter into what? Rest. 
That's the goal. Rest is the goal. Peace is the goal. We which have believed do what? Enter into that rest. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place on the seventh day, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works, and in this place again it shall come into, if they, if they shall enter my rest, sin therefore it remains that some must enter. Some must. How many of you say, someone's got to do it? What's the song? Might as well be me. Someone's got to do it. Some must enter in. Say it might as well be me. Hey, say it again. Someone's got to enter. It might as well be me. Did you get it? Might as well be you. And they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of what? Unbelief or disobedience. Same thing. They didn't enter in. Again, he lived a certain day today. David's saying long time, he says, Today if you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. What is the goal? Rest. Rest. There is a rest. It's called the Sabbath rest. Now I want to tell you something. Don't get all bent out of shape of what day you're going to do that on. Some do it on Saturday. I went by a place and they was having two services on Saturday. They looked like they was wore out. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. It's not a day. It's a person. That's right. Amen. Yes. Jesus is our Sabbath. That's right. I don't care what day you rest on. Amen. You can rest every, every day. Let Jesus be your Sabbath rest every day. Because he is your Sabbath. He is our rest. He is our everything. And if you have anything, it's of him or you don't have anything. If he doesn't give it to you, you don't have it. And you ain't going to get it if it's not his. So just give it up. And he says here, he goes on. He says, There remains therefore rest to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now, if you're still working trying to get into that rest, you ain't never going to get it. And most Christians... Most Christians get their spirits born again and they spend most of their life trying to become who they already are. He said it is what? Finished. If it's finished, what's left? Just entering in. And why do we not enter in? Because we're trying to work our way into that. We're working to get to that place where we can rest. And we write songs about it. Just a few more weary days and we'll fly away. Old Beulah land. I'm telling you, he is your Beulah land. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to give you resurrection. He said, I am your resurrection. He didn't say, I'm going to give you life. He said, I am your life. When? Now. When he was crucified, Mike, you were crucified. When he was buried, you were buried. When he ascended, you ascended. When he sat down, you sat down. And there's nothing you can do about it but receive it. And you start working from that place. It says Jesus sat down expecting his enemies to be made his what? Footstool. Who's he looking to do that with? The body of Christ. His body. He has given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. The only way the devil can hurt you is to convince you you're not who you are. You got to tell him to hit the road, Jack. 
Now, look what it says here. Now, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Gosh, King James sure messed up there. I spent years laboring to rest. I worked and worked trying to enter into that labor, into that rest. How I many has anybody else out there done that? Labor to enter into that rest. I worked for, I don't know how, at least 10 years in my Christian walk, fasting and praying and doing everything I knew to do to get into that place of rest. And then one day I happened to look up that word labor. It didn't mean labor. It means speedo. Not the kind Dennis wears. That's not the word, is it, Dennis? That's cute. They don't know the whole story, do they, Dennis? But to ask him about the story, there's more to it than that. But you know what that word means? It means fast. It means get into that rest quick. Lest you what fall after the same example of unbelief see when you start trying to work to get somewhere you're you're moving quickly into unbelief we that have believed do enter in how do you get in by believing you believe in that resurrection you believe you were crucified with him you believe you were buried with him you believe you was raised to walk in the newness of life and you believe in you're sitting sitting down at the right hand of the father with him that's speedo To enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, for the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharpening a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing under of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, let us get in there and believe. Good Master, John 6, 29, what must we do to do the works of God? We've got to work hard to do the works of God. How many of you fasted and prayed? I used to fast all the time just trying to beg God to use me. Is there anybody out there, Jerry? You understand what I'm saying? Oh, you, did anybody else do that? Fast and pray for God to use us. And then if he had, we'd have thought it's because of what we'd done. He said, I love you too much. I remember Bob Mumford saying he was trying to get God to use him so much. He fasted so much, he had to run around the shower to get wet. He said, I never will forget the day. This neighbor lady come up and said, God spoke to me, and he'd been fasting for nearly 40 days. Knocked on dead, and God told me to bring you this hot cherry pie I just got out of the oven. And she handed him that cherry pie, and he closed the door, and with his hand, he ate the whole thing right out of the pie. Amen. It's funny, but I'm telling you something. There's something in every single one of us, in that old man, that wants to earn its position because it, it lost it through disobedience. But see, God bypassed that whole thing. When Jesus worked, and he worked, and he worked, and then when he said, it's finished, our first day was his first day. So we entered into that rest, and everything we do from here on out comes out of that relationship with him and rest. See, that's what he was trying to say. That's what God intended for Adam in the first place. And then after the fall, what did Adam do? Work, work, work by the sweat of your brow. That's part of the fall. See? And not enjoy it. See, God gives us the ability to enjoy what we do. I was telling some of the guys, uh, Jana's brother one day was sitting there telling me how all he had to do and, and all this stuff. And it made me tired just listening to all he had to do. And I said, well, man, you need to, to rest. I said, you, you don't need to be working so hard. And he smiled and said, thank you, Walter. He said, it's not work if you love what you do. Boy, that went off me like a shotgun. It's not work if you love what you're doing. 
See, do we love what we're doing? You got to love what you're doing and who you're doing it for. I don't care if you're digging ditches or climbing poles like some of these guys do. I don't care what you're doing. You do what you do as unto the Lord. You do what you do as unto the Lord because it's a gift of God for Him to give you something to do. And rejoice in what you do. Thank God you have the ability to do what you do. And enjoy it. Because that work comes from that place of resting that God has set us in. And also with that rest, he wants to give us the land. So we can freely enjoy it. You remember Deuteronomy when he says you go into the land and all these places that, you know, we just got through reading that in Isaiah. He said, I give you all these things for you to enjoy. Do not make a mistake by saying the power of your might has got you all these things. Because he said, it's the power of God that gives you the power to get wealth. I'm the one that gives you power to do whatever you do. See, thank God. In everything, give thanks. Because this is what? The will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Listen, let us enter in. You know, I thought about Joshua. When they went in to take the land, and the, some of these guys didn't want to go in because they had cattle, and they liked this, this land out here where all the pasture was. And they told God, said, or, or Joshua said, we don't want to go in. We like this land. And they said, you can go in. You can have this land, but first, you've got to go in with your brother. And you've got to be out front, not just with them. We want you the front of the army, and we want you to fight till every man has his possession. And when the Lord God has given you, them rest and their land, then you can come back and enjoy your land. And that's what it says in Joshua, that when God had given them rest from all their enemies, then these children could go back, and they went back to their homes. See, there needs to be not only that place of rest in our lives, but we need to fight for each other until everyone has their rest. That's what the gospel is all about. You know, the good news of the gospel is that there is peace and there is rest. It's not about just getting to heaven when you die. It's a matter of glorifying God while we're here on this earth. Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. See, he's the one that does everything through us and in us. Why? We are living epistles known and read of all men. Why are we here? To glorify our Father. Why is the devil here? To keep you glorifying him. His biggest number one task is to keep you so beat up in your old soul you don't glorify anybody. And when the world sees you, you're no different than anyone else. You may call yourself a Christian, but the world looks at you and says, they ain't no different than I am. See, that's what's the problem. We are to be lights, we're to be salt. We're just to be here in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as what? Lights in the world. We're here to be a light. We're here to be salt. We're not here to conform to everyone else or just be thinking, well, just a few more weary days and I'll get out of here and they'll all go to hell and everybody be happy. No. We're here, what? To be an example of our Father who is in heaven. Because we are his children, created in his likeness. We read in Hebrews 2 this morning, Jesus was the firstborn of many sons, many glorified sons. What is glorified all about? So we can be what we're called to be here in the midst of this world. Jesus said, the glory that the Father has given me, I have given you that you may be one, that the world may know that I've sent you. What is being one? It's being in one accord, in unity. It'd be nice if the world could look at the church as, as a whole and see that we love one another. That there's no jealousy, no envy, no strife, no competition. 
That's what he died for. That's not what the world sees. It'll happen one of these days. I promise you it will. But it may take the rapture to get us there. Amen? I mean, I'm going to read one more verse, and then we'll pick this up next week. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 30. How many of you think rest is a good thing? I really like it. You know, one of the things uh, I've noticed about the new man and, and being in rest and all this, one of the things I pick up on when things start happening, when confusion, contention, and stuff, the first thing I notice is I begin to lose my rest and my peace. Anybody out there? And before, I probably wouldn't have known it for a few days. But now I know immediately when, when this, Jesus called it, when you now is my soul agitated? How many have had some agitated souls? You know something's starting to agitate your peace and your rest. And then what you do, you have to go and say, where did this start? What did I give in to? Where did this anxiety and stress and pressure come from? We're living in a world probably with more stress and pressure than it's ever been. Right? But just because we're in it doesn't mean we have to be of it. Jesus didn't come to take us out of it. He came to keep us in the midst of it. And to keep us what? Operating as sons in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We can be at peace in the midst of all this. Jesus said, my peace I what? Give unto you. He says in Isaiah 30, verse 1, Woe to rebel his children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, that cover with the covering, but not of my spirit. See, that's the world. They may add sin to sin that go down to Egypt. What is Egypt? It's the world. And have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and trust in the shadow of Egypt. That's, I don't have to explain that. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. And then, then it goes on down here. And he says in verse 7, for, I'm just going to cut it short. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to set still. Do what? Where does my strength come from? Do what? Where does your strength come from? What did God say to Paul? My strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, our strength comes from be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we're so busy trying to do, we don't take time to be still. Be still, and their strength comes from what? Inactivity. Slow down, smell the roses, roses as you go along. <clears throat> it says in verse 9, This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear. They what? Will not. It says, They will not hear the law, which says to the seers, See not to the prophets, don't prophesy right things to us, speak smooth things. Prophesy deceit. I don't care what you prophesy, just tell me how wonderful I am and how good I'm doing. How many of you are glad we got some prophets around here to tell you how it is? And they're not doing it because they want acceptance. Just prophesy smooth things. You know, we want to win friends and influence people. So be visitor friendly. No? That's what these people did. That's what these people did. Prophesy to us smooth things. Tell us how good we are. Deceit. 
Get you out of the way. Turn aside the past. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from for us. We don't want him. Get him out of the way. Now look what he says. All right. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay therein, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out on a great high wall whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. And he shall break it as the breaker of a potter's vessel that's broken to pieces, and he shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a shred to be taken from the earth and take the water withal out of the pit. Now listen, here's the answer. For thus saith the Lord, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. Now this is Old Testament. In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, and you would not. What, is the, what did he say here? In returning or repenting of who you are, and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. What's that all that in? And when he said it's finished. The confidence and the quietness and the strength in everything we have is resting in the fact that it is finished. That's where our faith rests. In returning and rest, shall you say, quietness and confidence, but you said no. For we're going to flee on our horses. What does that sound like, cowboys? We'll get this job done. You just move over. He said, okay, you go ahead. But you know what he says? I'm going to wait. How many of you know he can wait longer than we can? He said, I'm just going to, be, I'm just going to wait so I can be gracious to you. You go ahead. When you get tired, I'll be waiting. It says, blessed are those that wait on him. See, he's already furnished it for us. He wants us to enter into that, but he's not going to force us. He'll let us work as long as we want to. He'll let us strive as long as we want to because we've got to choose that rest and choose that place of peace. While I'm here, Isaiah 32. Verse 17. The work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. Now what is the kingdom all about? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. God is our righteousness. Jesus is our peace. And our joy comes from the Holy Ghost. That ain't a bad deal. It says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace. Peace with God and peace of God. And the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, in sure dwelling places, in quiet resting places. Let me have you know what quiet resting places is. I can hear the river already. It's not August yet, but I hear the river up, up at Ananita running. Canajos River. How many of you hear it? I know Marion does. Eric hears it. Right, Eric? It's a quiet resting place. Where you can just rest. See, that's what he's, he said. You shall find rest for your souls. But you know what? I used to love to go up there before I understood what I understand today. And by this time, I was so keyed up and ready to go, I was a bundle of nerves. I couldn't wait till that day when I could hop in my camper and I could get up there, I could put out my tent, I could put out my chair, and I could recline in my chair and I could hear the river running by 
And you know what he did in his grace? I found rest for my soul. I found rest. And so for a long time, I'd go up there to find rest. But you know what? Now I'm not anxious. I get to go. But I've already found the rest. The rest comes from ceasing to find rest and just enter into the rest. You can rest every day. I get to go in August, but if I don't go in August, I'm still at rest. Can you hear me? It's not a place, it's a person. That sounds like a good place to quit right there. Father, we just come now and we just thank you, Lord, for your rest and your peace. And we thank you, Lord, that I just pray today, God. I know that the children of Israel went in and, and Lord, it's one thing to have rest. But, Lord, we want all our brothers and sisters to have rest. Not only here, but in the whole body of Christ. And God, I ask you to help us with the message of reconciliation and exchange and the old man, the new man. And how they can find rest for their souls because, Jesus, you paid such a price in that garden for our souls so we could have that rest in our soul. And, Lord, I ask you to give us boldness. Lord, when that door just cracks a little bit and you say you can speak, Lord, let us speak your word with boldness. And, Lord, I just thank you for you've set us here for such a time as this. And, God, I know like you told Eric and I years ago, it's time. Lord, and ever since that day, it's been time. You've shown us one thing after another. Line upon line, precept upon precept. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us power and authority to speak your word with boldness and to see the kingdom come in people's lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.